Hey everyone, welcome to my house. Uh, this is day one of isolation. And uh, the dogs have both been looking at me like, hey, see, this is why we chew on your furniture. Uh, anyway, I'm gonna tell you a corona joke now. <laughs> Are you ready for this? Um, <clears throat> but I'll have, to, I'll have to wait for two weeks before I know that you've got it. <laughs> I've got an audience. Anyway, five rat tests later like me. Uh, what do you call somebody whose life doesn't change in isolation? An, an introvert. <laughs> it's definitely not a parent, I can tell you that. Honestly, with toddlers, it's like having a crazy parrot glued to both of your shoulders. Um, anyway, I bought a world map online uh, for my wife and we stuck it on the wall and I gave Livia a dart and I said uh, that she could throw it and wherever it lands, um, that's where we'll go on holiday when the pandemic's over. So uh, we're going to spend two weeks behind the fridge. <laughs> anyway, that's all I've got for now. Um, since most of the Harmony staff are in isolation, I guess we'll be making only inside jokes from now on. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> okay, so uh, we've been talking about transforming the world with the good news of Jesus. Um, I did hear someone say the other day that it was a bit generic, and I was surprised because honestly nothing could be further from the truth in terms of the process that it took to get us there. Uh, see, the good news is the gospel, and the gospel is the good news of Jesus. They're synonymous. Um, the power of the gospel is life-changing. You know, it's the power of God for salvation, and it brings total life transformation. Actually, Harmony has sought after like the purity of the, this gospel message for like a decade, and uh, and we've been involved in kind of pioneering that in our city and our nation. Um, this revelation of grace. Romans 1.11 says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to anyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek or the Gentile. There's nothing glib about this statement at all. See, Jesus is transforming us to transform the world. And there's a divine order in that. See, presence begets passion, begets purpose. These three essentials that we've been talking through. Um, the divine order is, is not, uh, it's not so much about pragmatism, but it's about priority. See, the three of them interplay, um, so we don't get hung up on that. But uh, we do because we are because of who he is. I could say it another way. Uh, because of who he is to us, we're becoming and therefore we're doing. You see, spending time with Him, worshipping Him, and intimacy with Him transforms us, transforms you, transforms me. Last week we heard from Gideon and Richard. Uh, they shared personally a beautiful story about their time spent in His presence, being loved by the Father, and that He's changing them from the inside out. See, you've se I've seen them, you've seen them, we've seen them be softened. They've, their hearts have been tenderized from a heart of stone to a heart of flesh. And there's blood now pulsating through that cardiac smooth tissue, beating in rhythm with the Father's heart. It's full of life. See, I know uh, we were going to move on to purpose today, um, but we just really felt as a team that actually we need to pause and emphasize this point, that actually the Father is passionate about our transformation. 
See, this is where it begins for us. It's this acknowledgement that you can't change yourself. Let's face it, we've all tried, right? You can't change yourself. See, the world tells us that if you just modify your behavior, uh, then you'll be a different person. It tells us that um, if you just change your appearance, or you, you fake it until you make it, or you strive for excellence, or you change your lifestyle, or you find some sort of solution to your problems, um, then suddenly you'll, you'll be a different person. And yet we've all been there, and we've all done that, and we've all tried that, and we've all discovered that actually uh, we take ourselves with us wherever we go. And the who you are is a lot more ingrained. It's a lot more uh, internal. Quote of the day last Sunday, uh, shout out to Gideon. Uh, he said that he'll give us lessons on how to be passionate in lovemaking in marriage. Um, so there, there was a cue uh, on Monday morning. Um, but anyway, I had a pastoral conversation with a young guy this morning actually. And, uh, and the, the question that was posed was this. Would getting married solve everything that I'm struggling with sexually. And we talked that through together. Maybe, maybe a change of covenant may be enough to set you on a new trajectory, but probably not. Um, you've got to look at who you're becoming already. And think about it. Moods, sickness, arguments, diurnal rhythms, menstruation, pregnancy. Uh, marriage doesn't mean that Go time is whenever you please. So actually, singleness is the training ground in self-discipline that we need for marriage. In fact, um, when you're married, you'll probably be more stimulated than you ever have been because there's this gorgeous, ridiculously attractive other person around all the time. And uh, sometimes they're nude. And actually, marriage is about den denying yourself as Christ laid himself down for the church. And the purity, well, that's a heart issue. I remember as a young person being told to put like a, a rubber band on my wrist. And whenever I had the temptation or, uh, you know, I'd ping it. It would help me divert my eyes. This is a form of behaviorism. And um, it worked for a couple of weeks, maybe. Uh, but it didn't change my heart or my desires. You see, here's the point. True transformation is heart-derived. So your limbic system is the change mechanism that's built into you. That's why encounter is so important. That's why presence is so vital because uh, when we're in his presence, he overwhelms our sensibilities. He bypasses our, our cognitive dissonance. He goes straight to the heart and he softens us. You see, in his presence, we even start to smell like him. An encounter is daily. It's moment by moment. It's journeying with God in life. It's uh, abiding. It's habitation. It is uh, practicing His presence. So He has each one of us on this journey, the journey of transformation. It's the transformation of your inner self, the area of your soul. You see, your spirit is a brand new creation. It's already undergone transformation. It's, it's, uh, it's been through a metamorphosis. But the rest of you has got to play catch-up uh, to come into alignment with the Spirit of God within you. But the beautiful thing is this, is that He promises that He will never leave you as you are. That's a promise. That's an eternal promise. See, the, the Father is passionate about you. He loves you with an everlasting love, 
And this is the mind blower. He, uh, he knows you. See, like, like all of you, he, he's seen, uh, he's been there with you through it all. He's, he's held your hair back when you vomited. He's, uh, he, he's been violated by your sin. He's not an enabler, but he's never left you. And so he knows you through and through. He's, he's, he's been grieved, he's been quenched, and yet he accepts you for who you are, and he loves you all the same. It's mind-blowing. You see, he knows you. He knows who he created. He knows your temperament, your personality, your dreams, your potential, your hopes, your aspirations, and he accepts you for who you are, even if you don't have a desire to change. But he will not leave you in the state that you're in. See, this is the process of working out our salvation, Philippians 2.12. It's the, it's the appropriation of having been saved and been healed and been delivered that takes us from glory to glory. See, it happened 2,000 years ago, and yet it's still being worked out in your life, in my life. It's the, it's the now but not yet. You know, it's not just an eschatological uh, phrase. It's, it's a theological expression that describes this process that we're walking out the fullness of what God has already prepared for us. So he's a lot less interested in what you're doing as he is who you're becoming. See, while you do, become. Or while you become, do. People say uh, all the time, you know, should I become a teacher or a nurse or should I do this building apprenticeship over here or should I take this opportunity over here? And uh, whatever decisions I make, we, we should follow the, the in all things of Scripture. See, uh, Scripture says, in all things, give thanks. In all things, Christ strengthens you. In all things, God is working for the good of those who love Him. So be obedient. Follow His voice. Or in silence, make a decision that aligns to His heart. See, He is forever challenging us to grow. And His desire is to reveal to us the growth areas. See, I believe He's always speaking to us, actually. But sometimes we perceive silence it's actually an opportunity for maturity. See, what has He already spoken to you? What has He already established within you? What can I let go of and step into? Uh, my friend Bill classically puts it this way to every intern. He says, uh, when they come to him with this question, you know, should I be a mom or a career woman? Should I be uh, this or that? He says, choose. And then whilst you go, transform the world, heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead. You know, like, make a decision, and then as you go, disciple nations. You see, he's less interested in, in the what, and more interested in the who. Who, who will you be, uh, not what will you do? Because the doing is a byproduct anyway. And yes, sometimes action is like the initiator or the litmus test for change, but his primary concern throughout our entire life is actually in us, in you and me, conforming to the image of Jesus. Romans 8.28 says this, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purposes. 
for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that we might be the firstborn among the brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. See, the Father is super passionate about the inward journey. It's the revelation of the Father's love that transforms our identity. It's this revelation that He wants to fuse into every single cell in our entire being that you are a beloved son, a beloved daughter. Okay, so there's two things, two keys that I want to talk about this morning. It's freedom and wholeness. Freedom and wholeness. All right. First of all, He, the Father, is passionate about your freedom. See, He came to set you free. Firstly, from the law of sin and death. Galatians 5.1 puts it this way. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Romans 6.7 For one who has died has been set free from sin. You and I have died in Christ and are now set free from sin. Romans 13.8 Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves one other has fulfilled the law. And Romans 8 2, For the law of the Spirit of life has set us free, set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Man, that's just Scripture putting it categorically. Uh, it's putting us clear on that one, eh? You know? Uh, that's His passion for you, to be set free, firstly from sin and death. Secondly, freedom comes in dying to self. This one's harder on our end. Uh, see, freedom is the fruit of the posture of slavery to Christ. Romans 1, 1 says this, Paul calls himself a slave of Christ Jesus. Later in Romans 6, 18, he says, you have been set free from sin and become slaves to righteousness. You see, when you posture yourself as a slave, the Father elevates you to sonship. He will not leave you in your current state. See, slavery is about submission of the will and an unquestionable obedience. Well, the Father is relentless. His, his heart for your freedom uh, will never relent. But then so is your flesh. So we need to die to self. Jesus gave us a real big clue in Matthew 20, uh, 16, 24 about how to do this. See, Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life should, will lose it. But whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. The principle is this. The moment you deny yourself, you've moved yourself out of the realm of the enemy and he can't control you anymore. See, freedom and control are diametrically opposed. They are, they are two opposite kingdoms. Freedom is important to God. See, he, he gives you a choice, a good choice, next to a poor choice. So there's no love without freedom. Freedom requires choice. Like, our children need to have choice, right? They, they need to make decisions. See, little people need freedom to think to decide, to manage themselves. You don't control them towards good things because we want to teach our children to control themselves. 
The same is true for our Father. He is training us as sons and daughters to walk in freedom. If you have areas in your life that feel out of control, that feel under the control or influence of something other than Jesus, even if it's emotions or lack of emotions, if you see yourself grasping for control in areas of your life or even trying to control people, then this is a clear indication that Jesus has more freedom for you. All right. He is also, the Father is also passionate about our wholeness. The roots or the origins of our need for control is what he wants to lay the axe to. See, more often than not, this directly relates to uh, our misparenting or the shortcomings of our our family of origin, if you will. See, through (coughs) lack or neglect or abuse or just even sometimes our own misperceptions, um, we're damaged. Man, we're broken people. Uh, And where there should have been love and tenderness, um, there wasn't. And so we, we receive wounds along the way. And woundedness can also originate from trauma, you know. It says in this world we will have suffering, and yet the resultant damage that it flicks upon us is that, uh, you know, that's what the Father is passionate about, healing. See, all of us have brokenness. And many in the kingdom are even so wounded that they've compartmentalized their soul. You know, there's fragments that take place uh, to protect or to defend or to safeguard parts of ourselves. My eyes have been opened in the last couple of years actually to the prevalence of this, like we're dissociated places within us. Um, and I've seen the Father's miraculous intervention. I've seen Him heal and make people whole again. See, the Father is passionate about your wholeness. He wants to heal you. First Thessalonians 5.23 in the message puts it this way. Uh, May God himself, the God who makes everything holy and whole, make you holy and whole. Put you together, spirit, soul, and body, and keep you fit for the coming of our Master, Jesus Christ. The one who called you is completely dependable. If he said it, he'll do it. See, he said he wants to make you whole. And the healing balm, the ointment, the the eye salve um, that the Father applies to our wounds is His love. When the feelings of hurt and rejection or pain are uprooted in your life through prayer or through forgiveness or counsel or even in His anointing, then the Father's love can seep in. So it all points us back to His presence, just to be with Him, to have Him love on you. But walking it out uh, can often take others too. You know, like get in the life group, do it together. Find a mentor, a therapist, someone to walk alongside you in this journey. Like do life with others. Okay, I want to finish here. I want to to finish with this, that the Father forms in you a new identity. He is passionate about you, about forming in you His identity. Christ is being formed in us. We are being conformed to the image of His Son. Galatians 4.19 says He wants to be manifest in us, to be revealed in us. Oftentimes we misaccurately, inaccurately, sorry, misquote uh, John 3.30. 
It says, I must decrease and he must increase. But actually what it reads is, he must increase that I might decrease. See, the former puts a burden on us, whereas the latter permits his sonship to increase in stature within us. And the result is that we decrease. You don't decrease to make him increase. We incre- <laughs> he must increase so that you must decrease, right? As he increases in you as the firstborn son, every residue of the old carnal, orphaned nature in you will diminish until it's thoroughly reduced to nothingness. His nature and identity increases in you. See, remaining in control or remaining broken is not an option then. Freedom and wholeness flow from the heart of the Father to His sons and daughters. I don't believe anybody's ever had a revelation of the Father and and remained the same. Um, If you haven't seen freedom in an area of your life yet, then turn your face towards Him because He wants to bring freedom and wholeness. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we just thank you uh, that you're passionate about us, about this inward journey of the heart. We thank you that you are taking us on a journey of being set free and being made whole. And I pray that you would uh, not relent, that you would pursue our hearts, teach us how to submit to you, teach us your identity, teach us how to be sons and daughters. We just commit ourselves to you and surrender to your process this morning again. In Jesus' name, amen.